Thank you, Nathan, so much. And thank you for uh, responding to the clipboard. So many of you did that in our first service, and you as well, you did it last week, and to connect, grow, and serve in multiple areas. So again, just uh, keep doing that while we talk this morning. I want to tell you who I am. I'm Bruce Tippett, and I have had the privilege of serving as community pastor for New Heights Church for three years. I've been on staff at New Heights for five years. Some of you may have wondered, where did he go? Um, well, uh, my wife Kathy and I were asked by our leadership to go to one of our church plants in New Heights, Siloam, uh, back in March, in fact, the first weekend of March, and serve as the interim pastor there. And so uh, for five months, I told him when I began, I had an expiration date of July 31st, and they beat it, beat it by two days. Uh, but uh, so we've just been back for just for a couple of weeks as far as being here on Sunday. And just want you to know, I missed you. Uh, it's great to be here, great to see faces that I become to familiar with and love and know over these years. And so it's, it's just such a joy to see your faces and be part of it. And this may be your first time to see mine and it's not much, but there you go. Um, I want you to find in your Bible, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and I'll read to you in just a moment, verses one through five. I have had an affinity, a drawing to the book of Romans since I was a sophomore in college when I first came back to really follow the Lord. That was back in 1973, and I'll let you do the math and figure out how old I am. Um, but in fact, I spent so much time in the book of Romans that they nicknamed me Romans. Um, I just love the book, I still do. It, it contains my favorite chapter, there's so much about it. But in this passage that we're looking at, he begins with this passage called, with just this simple word, therefore. Well, what is the there, therefore? Well, he's, cut, he's, he's about to make a break in his thought, in his, his um, direction of uh, Paul, the apostle who wrote the book of Romans, that he wrote to the, the Roman church in the city of Rome. And he's about to make a change. He has spoken in chapters 1 through 11 some really deep theology, some of the great verses which we connect to and great things, but he stops right here and he says, therefore, therefore, because of everything I've said to you before, here's what I want you to understand now. And Romans chapter 12 breaks down after a greeting he gives them in verses 1 and 2. In a little transition in verse 3, he begins to talk about the oneness of the body in verses 4, 5, and 6. And then he jumps into uh, the, the variety of gifts that we as believers have, and especially those in the Roman church have. And then in verses 9 through 21, he gives to us some what we call the, some ethics, things that they were to do, things that they were to respond to. And we'll unpack this uh, as we walk through our passage this morning. So I just want to set that up for you. So in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, and in your Bible or your, your Bible app, and if you have the Version app, you find on there um, my notes for, this, uh, for our talk and our teach this morning. So again, I just invite you to find that. So listen as I read. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed or do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This morning, I'm here to to share with you a passion a passion for community. And I will tell you, I mean, you can read uh, Romans, uh, Romans 12 any way you want to, and you will not find the word community in there, either in the original languages or just it's there in English. It's not there. But I will tell you that there is no greater chapter that describes for us and defines for us the elements of community and what that would look like. Last week, Lee talked about celebration, which is the first part of what we do here on Sunday morning, why we gather as one local body. We gather together to celebrate what God has done in and through our lives, both here and through the week. But then there's also another part, it's, and it's called cell. And if you look at the figure that's, uh, that's on the screen, it's a figure of a body, which is what we are together today. And then there's the cell, the smaller part. And it's the other half of what makes New Heights work, what makes it function, what makes it effective. It's how the body of New Heights is broken down into community groups, small fellowships which meet throughout the week in homes or other places. They meet to practice the way of Jesus with others through worship, sharing a meal together, Bible study, prayer, fellowship, serving, caring, and so many more. And and in the very same way that my body doesn't function without the trillions of cells on which it depends, so in the same way, our gathering on Sunday morning does not function as effectively as we possibly can without cells, without community. Right now, we have over 83 different types of community or cell groups throughout our region. This is the, if you've ever seen the circle chart, this, I'm talking about the big black circle in the middle. And that means traditional groups, young professional groups, college groups, student groups, discovery groups. And those are led by amazingly devoted people who lead and care for their group. And I am so very, very thankful for people who serve, who lead, and gather in community. But as community pastor, I have learned a lot in the last three years of what community means at New Heights. But I can tell you, I have never been more excited, more excited to share with you my renewed hope for community. Because I believe now, now more than ever, community is an essential practice for living out with others what Christ has done in us personally. Community, community transforms the Christian life from a self-centered focus to a one another focus. Let me say that again. Community transforms, changes, the Christian life from a self-centered focus to a one-another focus. Let that sort of soak in for just a moment. And for months, 
for months, literally. God has been stirring within me. And it was really hard to figure out, what are you doing? What are you doing? But I kept coming back that I want something more. There's something more, and I'll talk more about that toward the end of our message. But there's this, this longing, this stirring in me for something that helps us to understand being in community as a way to make the most effective impact for God's kingdom. And I want to share with you a simple statement, a simple statement that I believe in and I believe has the power to capture this desire, and it's this. Cell community is the local church scattered through small fellowships that practice the way of Jesus with others. Let me say it again. Cell community is the local church scattered through small fellowships that practice the way of Jesus with others. And again, we're going to explain that a little bit in just a moment. But this definition, I do believe, I do believe if we would practice, if we would apply ourselves to this reality in the middle of our divided culture, in all of its forms and all of its shapes, in the middle of that, that there is a path, there is a choice that we as the believing community can take that can change us and can change the places where we learn, the places where we live, the places where we work, to change our communities around us by applying this reality of, of the scattered church gathering in small fellowships and practicing the way of Jesus with others and doing that into the very broken, divided, isolated, lost, hurting lives of those around us. And there are four questions that I want us to answer this morning. And the first one is this. Why do we gather consistently in community? Who belongs in community? How do you practice community? And what's the hope for community? Let's start with the first one. Why do we gather consistently in community? In Romans chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, it's easy for us to sort of skim over that little word that he uses, brothers and sisters. Some of your translations just have it, brothers. The NIV expands it to include both genders, brothers and sisters. But notice he's using family words, brothers and sisters. What Paul is doing is not just, we read that and we think, oh, he's just including everybody. And he's doing it really nicely. Just, hey, brothers and sisters, gather, you know. No, it's more than that. He's changing the dynamic of the way the Roman church saw themselves by including them in family terms as brothers and sisters. Scott McKnight says in his book, The Fellowship of Difference, which Lee referenced last week, he said this about the Roman church. The earliest Christian churches were made up of folks from all over the social map. The typical house church in Rome included men and women, citizens and freed slaves who had no equal rights, Jews and Gentiles, people from all moral walks of life, from elite social classes all the way down the scale to homeless people. 
And when Paul calls them brothers and sisters, he is describing how people from such very diverse backgrounds were all one family. Can you imagine if you were part of that Roman church, the biases and prejudices and resistance that you would come into the gathering of the body of Christ as they gathered as as Roman believers? How could you park that easily right outside the door and say, oh, well, we'll just act like brothers and sisters. That's why he says to them in verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. How could he say this? He could say it because he knew the power and impact of the cross of Jesus Christ. In fact, in in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 16, Paul talks about the power of the cross reconciling Jews and Gentiles, which applies to all of us. He says this, for he himself is our peace, who has made two groups into one, His purpose was to create in himself, listen to this, to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. I mean, Paul is taking this thing, brothers and sisters, and going deep with saying, it's more than that, more than just one family. It's a whole new creation, one new humanity. And those words that Paul shares in Ephesians really find their soul in John 17, when Jesus prayed for his disciples and for us just moments before he himself would be arrested and go to the cross. He said this in John 17, 20 and 21 in verse 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that they that all of them may be one father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, they, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus is saying these words to his broken, sinful disciples who would tell the message of the gospel to broken, sinful people just like you and just like me. And he's saying that our unity, our oneness, our ability to understand we are part of one new humanity is the method through which, listen, through which the world will believe that message and will understand that they are loved by the Father with the same love that the Father loved the Son. Do you understand that? Let that soak in for just a moment. The power of what he's saying. And just like the church Community has never been perfect and it will never be. But it doesn't mean that we reject the church or we reject community. Jesus doesn't offer us a plan B. True community was the hope of Jesus before the cross. 
knowing fully, knowing fully the messy, hard path of applying this truth through people just like us. That's why Paul would call the Roman Christians to a life so radically different from anything their, their culture understood all through the simple phrase, brothers and sisters. Why do we choose to meet consistently in community with others? We meet because we are one new humanity, one new family, fulfilling Jesus' prayer for people to experience God's love for them. And why would you not? Why would you not want to be part of something that Jesus died to create? Why would you walk away from that? that Jesus died on the cross to create this family, this one new humanity. Why would you walk away from that? He died to create it. It compels us to be part of it. Well, the next question is, who belongs in community? And in Romans 12, 1, Paul starts off by saying again, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy. And those simple words in view of God's mercy really gather up the whole story of the gospel because he's talking about the mercy of God given to us through Jesus Christ on the cross that is now ours because of his gift of faith and his gift of grace to us. And it says to us that we share in community, we are people who belong in community because we share the same story of God's grace. That's why we belong. Because we are people through whom Jesus Christ has brought us into family, brothers and sisters. In verse 2, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just as well because we belong, because we share the same story, so in the same way we share the same life. Those who choose to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed are those who deliberately share life together in conformity to Christ, not to our culture. We said in our, our summer series on Acts that the church was a movement, not a monument. And this is never truer than when we choose against our culture's pull to isolation and independence and begin to live life together with others. Living life together creates an alternative society in resistance to conformity to our culture. We went to Disney World uh, a year ago in May, uh, two, yeah, a year ago in May. And uh, the one thing I bought, the one thing I bought was one of those pins from the Star Wars area that just the rebellious Woodstock soul in me kind of connected with. And it was just, just this little phrase, join the resistance. I've got it pinned in a wooden box in my office. Join the resistance. Yeah, I know it's what he's really talking about. But can you, do you see that because of what, that we choose to not conform to our culture, that we are part of something else? Joining the resistance 
against the culture's conformity and to choose an alternative society of living together, living life together. Look back at the, the last part of verse one. Paul says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And some translations say your spiritual worship. And the NIV translates it correctly by using the word proper because it really means rational service. But what this is saying is we are the most spiritual when we use ourselves, our bodies, and sacrificial service to God. And Paul would tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given to the one spirit to drink. Why do we belong? Because we share the same story, because we share the same life, but even greater because we share the same Holy Spirit. We together share the same Holy Spirit. We belong. And because we share the same Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to be guided by and directed by and belong in community because we share that spirit. This summer I had the opportunity of meeting uh, a young woman named Casey Schlanner and, and Casey was in a discovery group that I uh, taught the community lesson in and, and we began to talk in sort of an ad lib situation as I was going through the lesson and just became intrigued with her story and, and I asked her just to, to write out for me. She's not able to be here in this, in this service, but just to write out for me. Tell me your story, why you love community so much. She said this, I started attending New Heights when I moved to Fayetteville in March. I work for Yellow Company, which is a business for women to work together for the good of the world. After about 10 years of fulfilling my passion of travel for work, the Lord was telling me it was time to pursue my other passion, which is community. I decided on Fayetteville because it's where my brother and my sister and brother-in-law Scott and Anna Caroline Tillman live. I'd visited New Heights with my sister, knew it was a good church, and more importantly, it was where I already had community. I started attending and joined Discovery this summer. The reason connecting to people in community is so important to me is because I love people. And it takes a lot of different people drawing different facets out of each other to really know an individual. I'm in a season where it would be easy to say, nope, it's too much of a hassle, I move around a lot, I'm not pursuing community. But then I see my selfishness and impatience increase and my grace, loving kindness, and joy decrease. Basically, I'm a worse version of myself when there aren't other people in my life as iron sharpening iron. I look for two things in Christian community. Listen to this. A shared value for each person to cultivate an unoffendable heart. Let me say that again. A shared value for each person to cultivate an unoffendable heart. 
Community is always messy and leaves plenty of room for hurt feelings and situations that make people withdraw or lash out. I also look for the emotional and spiritual maturity to engage in conflict well from a place of curiosity and love. And both of those are countercultural. One of the best experiences I've had in community was when I was with YWAM in Mongolia. No one in our team had much in common. Different ages, races, backgrounds, countries. None of us would have naturally gravitated toward friendship. Most of us didn't really like each other, but we decided that every day we were going to start the day in prayer, first alone and then coming together as a group. It sounds stupidly simple but required time and vulnerability. There was something about the act of committing to come before God every day for and with those people that changed the way we saw ourselves and each other. She said, it was during those times we would so strongly feel the Spirit's presence and I just don't think it's possible to spend that kind of time in the presence of the Spirit and look at eternal beings he created with anything less than an awe for God and an excitement for what he's doing in each of them. And the reality is, my brothers and sisters, we can experience the same thing. But it's hard and it's messy and it's a challenge for us because it pushes us. It pushes us. Who belongs in community? People who share the same story of the gospel, the same life together, and the same Holy Spirit. How do you practice community? Well, I've said that Cell is the local church scattered through small fellowships that practice the way of Jesus with others. And you may be saying to me, well, what is the way of Jesus? You've thrown that out there. What does that mean? We just take a glance back at Matthew 28 and verse 20 when Jesus said to his disciples to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. There's a lot of things he commanded. There are actually, in verses 9 through 21, there are over 25 different commands or exhortations that Paul gives for these Roman Christians to apply. But you can insert the word Jesus into every one of them and you find that this is the path of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. I just want to give you a sample very quickly of six of them that what practicing the, the way of Jesus would look like. I don't have time to do anything more, but just to list them. The first is sacrificing self, then living differently, releasing your gifts, loving deeply, staying focused, refusing offense. There's one of these, though, I want us to focus on for just a moment. And it's in verse 16. Live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I'm going to invite Debbie England up right now. Because what Paul does in this verse, he challenges these Roman Christians to be willing to give back to people who are on a lower socioeconomic level than they are. And we at New Heights are actively engaging and doing the same. But I want you to hear from one of our leaders who serve the homeless and how you can be involved as individuals and communities. So Debbie, step on up. This is Debbie England. 
Debbie serves as the team leader for our ministry at South Church, along with June Lawrence, who is our care minister, uh, for well over 15 years or more. New Heights has been associated with the ministry of John Baker uh, at South Church. South Church meets at the Life Source building on school uh, every Sunday in, in South Fayetteville. And it's been our opportunity to join him in serving a meal every fourth Sunday. Every fourth Sunday. And so, Debbie, I just wanted you to introduce who you are and how long you've been at New Heights and then how South Church works through volunteers. So, I'm Debbie England. I've been here since 2008. I took a little break when I went to chiropractic school, um, but came right back because this was my family. Um, We use volunteers like you to serve a meal and to provide the food for about 150 people that we feed on that fourth Sunday. So, okay. we have to have you. Yes. I can't make that much lasagna and stuff. I don't have a big enough oven. Share with us why of the many things that you could be doing, you have a pra- chiropractic practice. Why, have, why do you have a passion for serving South Church? I've been homeless twice in my adult life. And um, we've had many periods of being food insecure. And that means that we open up the cabinets and we're not really sure what we're having for a meal. And I know that looks strange because you look at me and you don't think that I would be that way. But I promise you there's a ton of people that you see every day at your jobs, um, um, in the grocery store, that they're having a tough time. So I wanted to make sure we could take the veil away and say, this is what it looks like. Um, and to, it also reinforces community that you can tell people your struggles when you're in community, so. Let me ask you something. Who, who receives the greater blessing from serving at South Church? Me, 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 me. No, uh, we have, uh, again, about 150 people that I've gotten to know um, over the course of the last couple years, and getting to know them on their life level has been really amazing. Um, there's one little lady, she, I don't even know her name, honestly, but she's one of my milk ticket ladies. And she comes up to me every month and says, I lost three pounds. Now in her case, that's a huge health issue for her. So it's not like, hey, I lost three pounds, you need to feed me more. It's, I lost three pounds and I'm on a good track. So I become part of her life now. And so it's been really awesome, just that part. But I think the people that come and get to work with me and get to work with their community group, working side by side with your, your people are amazing. And I, I believe that everyone who's come has been go, gone, wow, I had no idea this was here. I had no idea that this population was, was this vast. Um, it's, it's awesome. Wow. Now, okay, what steps do we need to take, either as individuals or community groups, to be part of your ministry there at South Church? So every month I have to have at least eight people uh, to serve. And I also need those people to bring food. Now, you may not be that person who serves and, and brings food. It may be just one or the other. Um, but we need community groups to come together and say, I will take this week and provide most of the food. I have a nice list of folks that I can call on if we're, like, lacking somewhere. But I need someone to take the bulk of the load. Um, and I wanted, I didn't tell first services, but you are not going in there by yourself. And I think sometimes it's easy to sit back and say, I know there's a need, but I don't know how to fill it, or I don't know if I'm competent at it. And so you don't. So I'm going to tell you to stop that. 
step <laughs> out. I'm one of those truth tellers. So just stop being afraid. Um, these folks are wonderful people. They're in difficult circumstances. Um, we've seen lots of different transitions over the years, but um, these folks need our help. And you're there. You have abundance, guys. Most of you have plenty. So it's good to share that above and beyond your tithe. Um, specifically, you can sign up as the group. If you can't, you can give Walmart cards so that we can buy things. Um, you can pray for us, too, because there's always an interesting group. Um, but, and then in mid-September, we'll be collecting tents and sleeping bags for the folks who are going to be out in the elements. Um, we also noticed... And, most people don't know this, but if we have rain or bad weather, people don't leave their campsites. Um, and so they do that because they're afraid somebody else is going to take it. And so we want to make sure that when they're there, they're comfortable as much as they can be. Um, and I legit saw my very first person sleeping on a park bench um, on Friday. I'd never seen that here in Fayetteville. And it was over um, off of Center Street, and I was blown away. Because I know people sleep in the in the woods, but they've cleared out a lot of those places and they can't sleep there anymore. So they're among us, folks. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Thank okay. you so Can much. Can I one more thing? Yes. I have yes. one little story, and this was a God thing this morning. Um, I was hungry because I didn't get breakfast. And it's sort of the reason that we have community. Um, they're going around with the bread, you know, and over at the end, they're done. But I was hungry, and I told someone in, on my bench, my other daughter, and she got the guy's attention, and... Um, I got a loaf of bread. I was very happy. And I said, thank you. I was just hungry. He's like, that's okay. There's plenty. Remember, somebody pointed out in my community that there was a need. And somebody else said, hey, there's plenty. You take. So. Amen. Wow. There could not be a more tangible way to love people tangibly than for you to have the opportunity to serve at South Church. And so again, there's a table back there where you can connect with that and be able to do that. Lastly, what's the hope for community? As I mentioned earlier, I have never been more excited about my renewed hope for community because I believe this new renewed vision for me that I share with you this morning of the local church scattered through small fellowships that practice the way of Jesus with others is needed now more than ever. And it involves two things from us. It involves saying no to ourselves and saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Paul would say in Galatians 5, 24 and 25, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It involves our saying no. No to ourselves. Paul said to lay down our lives as a sacrifice. That means you're going, it's going to cost you something to be in community. And say yes, yes to the fellowship, the leadership, the direction of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives. Saying no to ourselves, saying yes to Holy Spirit is truly practicing the way of Jesus with others. And I can't, I can't say enough how grateful I am for those who lead and serve and belong in community. And what I want you to understand now, what I want you to do, three things, 
say yes to discovery. Those clipboards are being passed. Say yes to discovery. We're beginning those classes on September the, the week of September 8th, and we want you to be part of that. Say yes to community, choosing to practice the way of Jesus with others. And then thirdly, thirdly, and had some good contact with folks right after our service about this third point. And say yes to leading community, guiding others to experience practicing the way of Jesus. We are at a place where we earnestly need leaders. We need leaders in community. And you do not have to be a spiritual, uh, excuse me, a you know, spiritual superstar, if you would. You genuinely just need to be someone who is available to God, who is creating space to include others, to share what you've experienced. We have an opportunity to train you, to guide you so that you're not just launched out on your own. But I can say to you, if this church chooses to grow, chooses to grow, it will be through the multiplication of community that we see that happening. Because it happens where we live, and as I said, where we live and where we learn and where we work, in our communities of life. Two weeks, two weeks ago, Jim was teaching on the effectiveness of the church in Antioch from Acts chapter 13. And he said in reflection on this single church's response to the Holy Spirit, he said, part of the redemptive call of the Holy Spirit is a call to join the family of Christ followers and to live in community that reaches out to those near and far. And those words capture New Heights' vision of celebration and cell. And then he said something that really resonated with me. He said, I need to know I am a part of something more. And I can say the same thing to you, not only about those words, but about a fresh definition of community as the local church scattered through small fellowships that practice the way of Jesus with others. And you've got to hear me, friends. This is what I want to give my days to. This year, marks my 40th year in full-time pastoral ministry of some sort. 40 years. And there have been times because of disappointments. I mean, you can't get any more disappointed than when they fire you after being at a place only six months when you're 21 years old. You know, when you start there, you can only go up. <laughs> I, I really don't know to this day why. Well, I've got some ideas, but nevertheless, it happened. Yeah, I had every reason. I could have said, forget it, God. This is your church. Why bother? They didn't give me grace. They didn't give me understanding. Why bother? I've been at a place where I felt consumed by the institution of the church. Jim said it the other day, you can get institutionalized in a gym. I became institutionalized through a Southern Baptist church that was over 163 years old and I was the third pastor in 70-something years. And one day I had the, 
guts, I guess, pull out and throw out all my chips and say, like they did in Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption, these walls do funny things to a man. You get institutionalized. And coming to New Heights was an opportunity to change that. So I share with you, my friends, I have wondered, wondered in those quiet places if the church is really worth all of the life that I have given to it. All of my life. But then God does what only he can do and over and over he whispers, there's hope. There's hope. Because what else is there that can change life now and life forever? Why, Bruce? Why would you want to walk away from my hope for the world? Don't you think I know how messed up and yet how awesome it is? Don't you think I know? Why do you want to walk away? I invite you. I invite you to join me this morning in the simplest way to change the world. And that's to be part of the local church scattered through small fellowships who practice the way of Jesus with others. Wow. It's laid on us. The Holy Spirit is so creative, he can create what that looks like in your life and in mine in untold ways that we don't even know. Why not? Why not join? Let's pray. Holy Father, can't thank you enough for just the opportunity to share passion. Thank you enough for being a part of this body. Thank you, Father, for the church gathered and the church scattered and for your vision, Father, working through us. Thank you for it. Bless, Father, as we worship and as we serve in Jesus' name.